Hello, beautiful humans. <laughs> Welcome back to SheQuest Podcast Season 5. Ah! I hardly believe that I have been at this for almost two years now and that I've learned so much alongside you and our incredible guests. As some of you may know, SheQuest is expanding the season with a gorgeous add-on in the form of a new podcast host, Nadia Bonafant from Juna Yoga. I'll be so honest with you, as I always am. After season four ended, it became really clear that I needed some help with the podcast. And when I was randomly talking to Nadia on a one really cold fall morning walking my dogs, we both concluded that she was the perfect fit to host this radio show with me. And here we are. Nadia is bilingual like me, and she's truly a sister from another mother. But her interviews will be mostly in French, expanding the podcast's reach and audience to a French-speaking community. This feels like a coming home to me since I'm French, originally from Quebec. And of course, Nadia and I plan to have a whole conversation to tell you how we met and our own Chiquess. Um, we met more than 15 years ago, and it's truly incredible, the serendipity, and which like all these little hints and hints and hints, you know, throughout the 15 years, has really led to this moment in time of her driving this ship that is SheQuest Podcast. So one week I'll be on here with a conversation in English, and the other week she will be on here with a French conversation, and the episodes will always drop on the Friday. So I take this moment to thank you, you badass loyal listeners. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in each week. Thank you for sharing the episodes on your newsfeed and stories. Thank you for telling your women's friend and circles. We at SheQuest are firm believers that more stories of courageous, incredible women need to be out in this world. Only so you realize with conviction that your story matters too. You matter and I believe in you. <laughs> okay, Estelle, okay, cry after the podcast, not before. <laughs> now on to our feature conversation, kicking off with Julia Mitten. And yeah, I just want to tell you I love you. I hope this season lets you up. That's really our intention. SheQuest Podcast is the home of heart-opening dialogues, stories, and experiences for self-identified women on SheQuest. Season 5 is now bilingual, as I welcome co-host Nadia Bonafant. Hey, Nadia! Hey, Estelle! Delighted to be part of SheQuest Podcast, forward movement to live aware, bold, and whole. Let's do this! Woohoo! Hi, SheQuest. Welcome to SheQuest Podcast with guests. I'm your host, Estelle Thompson. I'm just so thrilled to have Julia Mitten today on the show. And I just want to say just on a personal note, um, 
I met Julia when she reached out to me to go, um, for, you know, teach yoga in, a, um, in France for a residency for a yoga studio that she owned. And I've just been so forever grateful for her for this experience. And then a few years later, we went on to organize a retreat together in France and her warmth and fire and drive and friendship is dear, dear, dear to my heart. And you're just in such luck today to get to meet her too. Julia, hi. <laughs> oh, that was an intro. Thanks, Estelle. <laughs> That's I'm great. So, we're so glad to have you all the way from France. And, you know, the first question I always ask my guests is what makes you feel alive today? Today, I would say it's the sunny, the sunny south of France, like it's April 1st here. And it's like 25 degrees out, huge sunshine, not a lot of wind. Um, and I've had a few meetings already today. But one of them was literally overlooking the med um, and watching people set up their towels with their, you know, bathing suits on for the day. And I was just like, okay, this is great. <laughs> Overlooking the turquoise waters of the med, like, you know, working on my latest entrepreneurial project definitely helps me feel alive today. Oh, my God. I can I just say I just want to strangle you right now. <laughs> like, do you pinch yourself sometimes? You're like, this is, yeah, like this is my life. Honestly, living living in the south of France is I I'm uh, I'm forever grateful. Every day I wake up grateful. Honestly, it's a it's a beautiful place to live. Ah, mm. oh, well, let's get into it. So, so we have subjects for each month this season. A lot of what you do uh, is connected with food and and like nourishing things. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to put you in the food section or the you know the traveling section because I know like you love to travel anyways I ended up doing the travel part um only because like I I see you as such a you know you grew up in Halifax but you've been in south of France for just so long right um and kind of uprooted in in a wee and I'd love for you to tell us you know your story in relation to that kind of like that power to travel maybe not live in your you know home country home province also you know what's it taught you but at she quest we call this like my she story um okay and i know it's like a loaded question because there's so many angles that you could take but maybe we could just stay kind of you know, in relation to, you know, traveling? Well, it's, it started, it started young, though, like this, um, this sort of dream to, to live in France, actually, uh, my mother used to listen to Edith Piaf. So we would put on Edith Piaf in our living room and dance, dance around the living room. And I just remember like whirling and twirling and finding these French words, so beautiful. Um, and I had this dream when I was a kid to, to be French. Like at school, we would have to draw what we wanted or to explain what we wanted to be later when we grew up. And, you know, kids were writing down like ballerina or astronaut or policeman or firewoman or whatever. And I was like, I want to be a French person. And I would draw somebody <laughs> with a striped shirt and a beret and like a baguette in their arm kind of thing. And, uh, it was it was the dream from like as far back as I can remember 
to be um, to live in France, actually. So I guess uh, even if it, you store it at the back of your mind, like those dreams keep kind of like bubbling away. And you, I just made a series of decisions from a very young age that eventually took me uh, to France when I was 20, which is now like 17, almost 18 years ago. And I went through every challenge in the book in terms of visas and, you know, permits and student this and young entrepreneur that and exchange with Canada this and all that stuff. And, but I I managed to kind of stick it through and I've now been here for, for 17, almost 18 years now in France. And I traveled a lot um, around France as well before settling first in Paris for eight years. And now the South of France is coming up to seven years. Um, and before that I was kind of, you know, exploring France and the islands that belong to France. So down in the Indian ocean, but it was, but it was like, it was a seed that was planted very, very early on actually in that living room, um, in Halifax with my mother. Like you totally made your vision reality, you know, like you had this vision and it's like funny to think you're like, no, I wanted to be like a French person. And like, yeah. You know, you made like you made that happen with like all your decisions and like and it hasn't been like just knowing you personally, like it hasn't been easy, you know, like, no. no. And in French, you say like the cheminement, you know, like your your path to like actually becoming and, and, you know, you're still you're like you're not French, French, but now you've you've you know, it's like it's your your second culture in a way, you know, if not like almost feels more natural. What do you what do you think? It's funny because I am, I'm so grateful in a way for this, for what this, this situation of the global pandemic has, has brought to me because I, I came home for Christmas this year. And usually, I mean, I've been away for now 17 years and that's a long time to be away from the place that you call home. Mm -hmm. And I very much still call Nova Scotia and Halifax home, but it's true that after a certain amount of time, you're like, well, is it really home? But is my home France? Like there's all this, this, these questions of identity and where you call home and rooting and like, where, where do you belong between quotation marks? But, and so that's a whole other kettle of fish, but what would usually happen during these 17 years that I've been away is I would make a trip home uh, to Halifax, let's say at least once a year, probably. Yeah, no, I would say on average once a year, but I would come for like a week and that's not a lot of time to come and do like visit somewhere that you call home. It's a very quick sort of like almost like a, you know, dutiful visit to see friends and family, but you see them in like a snap and then you're out of here. And with this global pandemic and the two week quarantine that you had to do, I was like, I'm not going to go home and quarantine for two weeks and then just stay for five days and then leave again. So I made this decision to come home for like a grand total of five weeks. And it was mind blowing how that those three weeks of being home uh, were nourishing for me, actually. So even though I call like this, the France home, um, the, the replenishing and like the energizing and the love that I felt in those three weeks or basically five weeks, there's two weeks of quarantine, but the three weeks where I was like really out and about were incredible. 
I, that was a really interesting thing for me to live. And I don't think I would have done that if I hadn't been sort of forced to in a way. And tell us maybe like, how was that for you uh, to, to go? Because uh, we were just talking offline there that you're in France, you're going into a third lockdown. And um, so about, you know, how's it, you know, professionally and personally, like how, how has that impacted you? Yeah, it's so funny. I have uh, this like pen pal ship with this Canadian film producer um, who lives in Toronto. And she uh, she's really cool, actually. She's got this film production company called Babe Nation. And she does like uh, women sort of focused movies by women, about women. Uh, it's really kick ass. And we we met. Uh, because she's also in love with France, another fellow Francophile. And um, she ha- she married in Arlesian, which is like the little town in the south of France that I live in that you know very well. And uh, so we just struck up a friendship because she's another Canadian living sort of that has a connection in Arles. And we, we've been comparing stories of um, sort of like how France is dealing with this these lockdowns and how Canada <laughs> deals with the lockdowns. And I mean, France is is a whole other kettle of fish because, like, there have been secret restaurants popping up all over the country, and of course, secret restaurants are totally illegal. But I, when I mean secret restaurant, I mean like it's a restaurant on the street that is fully open with like waiters and menus and food being served, and there are people from the government sitting in these <laughs> restaurants. And so, and it's just like, and then the government comes online to address it and is like, and we will be, lo- we will be like strength or tightening um, up the like controls and financial uh, consequences for these illegal restaurants. And it's just like, in Canada, there would never be an illegal restaurant. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just culturally, like the French are just like, and no, like they ordered, a, they organized a carnival here two weeks ago. So it's just like, it's in the French nature to rebel. And so um, these lockdowns keep coming, but like every time they come, the French public just gets more and more sort of like dismissive of the seriousness of it almost. And so, and it's just, and you wouldn't see this in, in a country, you wouldn't see this in Canada. You wouldn't see this in, I mean, you might see it a little bit in Italy, but it's very French to like, kind of like just decide that it's not going to apply to you or to your household or to your, I mean, there's just like this general sort of like, we're not going to, we're not going to pay attention. So like, also like don't mess with our food. (laughs) Yeah. And like, we're going to continue these, these, the secret, there's another. So those were the secret restaurants that were not secret, but then there are other secret restaurants that are like full blown in people's houses and they're booked for the next three months. They're booked out. You can't get a reservation. I mean, it's like insane. (laughs) So like there's this whole counterculture. So we're going into another lockdown, but it doesn't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think they're just trying to kind of, they're trying to save something before summer comes along and everybody's at the beach and wanting to be drinking rosé in the sunshine kind of thing, um, which is a very cultural thing in France as well. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay. To be fair though, I mean, 
France has been a really great country in terms of helping its um, business owners out. So I'm very grateful to be here and I'm like willing to do sort of whatever it takes as long as eventually we get to back to some sort of like structure or normalcy or at least just routine, you know? Personally, like I know we were sharing stories because I, I got the chance to see you when you came for your big, long five weeks stay, uh, which was a treat because usually I don't get to see you when you come because you're here for so short. <laughs> you know, we were sharing stories where in March last year, I was coming back from India and you were coming back from, remind me, you were in Indonesia, I think. It was in Bali, yeah. In Bali, yeah. Um, so tell us what it what that was like, just like coming back. That was really wild. I had been traveling. So this is a this is a thing. I live in I live in France, but I've set up my life so that I have um a lot of time to travel in the winter because the south of France is quite seasonal. Like it gets really hardcore, you know, from about Easter uh to sort of end of September, but then from the months of October to let's say end of March, it's much quieter, which is a beautiful time to be here, but it's also a great opportunity to go travel in warmer climates. So I had been in this was at the end of like a three and a three and a half month trip. I was in uh, Bali at the end, sort of as the world was shutting down and every day there was like a new airport closing and a new border shutting down. And um, and I had to sort of decide whether I was going to stay in Bali or go back to France. <laughs> and I don't know, for some reason I got on the plane to come back to France, but I think I should have stayed in Indonesia. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, at least like in Indonesia, there was like, you know, there was a, there was a pool and there was, um, other stranded yogis and like green smoothies on demand kind of thing. And then coming back to France, it was like, I'll never forget it. Landing in the airport at Charles de Gaulle. And, and there was just fear in everyone's eyes everywhere. Like everywhere you look, people were just like so fearful And then uh, taking the train from Gare de Lyon in Paris down to Avignon in the south of France and the train station just like completely, it was like a zombie apocalypse movie. Like it was, there was, it was just like, it was freezing cold, people wearing masks, fear over their, fear in their eyes over their masks, like people with machetes everywhere, like um, looters, like, um, you know, like thieves everywhere. It was like out of control and I'm just sitting there in the middle of the train station with another girl that had taken that I got you know I had was on a, one of those flights that the French government organized and we were just like what did we do and then you know France was totally shut down like the rest of the world at that point as we were figuring out like what was happening um, with this virus. Nobody knew at that time, like that was still at the time when you, you didn't know if like somebody was like radioactive when you like came into contact with them kind of thing. I remember like, I've told you this before, but I don't watch a lot of stories, but I always watch your stories. because I'm like, I'm so envious. Like I just want to be there with you all the time in Southern France. Um, <laughs> but I remember back then it was so inspiring for me because you had started a 40 day sadhana, like a 40 yeah. day practice. And I was like, I kept being like, she's going to do it like every day. She's going to do it. And that felt really powerful to witness um, for me, you know, through you. 
Um, do you want to tell us a bit about that? Sure. That was that was really funny, actually, because I started that from Indonesia when I was in, um, you know, when the France had already sort of shut down and like it wasn't we were kind of in a protected bubble in Bali during the beginning of this, at least. And yeah. so my, I was in the middle of a teacher of yoga teacher training. Um, and so we were sort of like I, I was spending my days studying, you know, these sacred texts from thousands of years ago while like the outside world was like crumbling and falling apart kind of thing and just chanting like Om Namah Shivaya while like airport <laughs> airports were like full blown, like shutting down. And so when I heard that like our restaurants were closed because we had to close like from one day to the next and that was so destabilizing for my staff. Um, and so we do yoga for chefs and for staff at our restaurants. And so I was like, oh my goodness, well, I'm going to quickly put in place a little program for them that they can do every day of bite-sized yoga practices that include pranayam, chanting, and meditation. And so that's where that came from. But then I started getting messages from other students being like, oh my gosh, can, can we somehow access that? Because that would be so great. Like people really need, and it was like an immediate, like it didn't take me like, you know, a month to come up with this. It was sort of like, okay, restaurant shut down the next day I was starting. And, but what ended up happening is I came home in the middle of those 40 days. And it was when I came home, um, and I was like, I went from tropical paradise to like the reality of being cooped up in a small apartment alone, um, you know, with like no like boyfriend, no cat, no dog, no businesses to run, um, no tropical paradise. No, like I was like, whoa, this is hardcore. And the sadhana went through, there was this uh, evolution of like, it was this like, offering at the beginning and then it became a burden for me midway through and then it became my salvation because um I had to keep going I had committed to giving that practice for 40 days and so even when it when I was feeling a low and I was like oh man do I even have it in my heart to give this practice this is really hard for me but then it became the, my way through because I, I had to show up to it and it was showing up to me right back at me and it brought me through the hardness. So it went on a whole journey with me that 40 days that and that. I'm getting like full body shivers. <laughs> I also wrote, um, it's beautiful what you said, Julie, you said at first it was an offering, then it became a burden. And at the end, it was my salvation. <laughs> like a beautiful kind of cycle. I've never, I've never heard it that way. I also think this will be the title of our podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So you talked about, you know, Indonesia, you've talked about South of France. Why do you think, and I know you've been like other places, but what do you think is so important for you to travel um, and what does it offer you? That's a great question because I would say that I have often undertaken travel by myself uh, on purpose. Like I... I often just decide to hit the road um, solo. 
And so I go on long trips uh, by myself all the time. I go on surf trips all the time. I'll take my car and drive like eight hours across the country by myself and, you know, get in the water. And so for, for me, and travel is really like the embodiment of freedom. It also, it allows, it gives me space to think about who I am and what I'm here to do. And so I love that feeling. There's a whole ritual around traveling for me, like including, I'm a big list maker. And even though I appear very disorganized and I think my true nature is very disorganized, like I love a good list. So like, there's like, First of all, I can't believe you think that about yourself because having organized a retreat with you, I know you're way more organized with me than me. So that says a lot. Like I try, but I don't know. My true nature. I find as I approach my true nature, I'm way more and more disorganized. But like, (laughs) I love having, you know, like, um, you know, having my, like I make my list of things that I need. And as the years have gone by, like, um, I try to make that list as short as possible so that I'm traveling mm-hmm. as lightly as possible, just so that it becomes less about the process and more about the experience. And then I I just, I love the feeling, I love the little moments in travel that, um, you know, like when you get off a plane in a really hot country and the air is like thicker and dustier and spicier than the air back home and the sounds are different and the energy on people's faces are different. Like I love that moment of readjustment of your senses to this new environment as soon as you get out of the airport. Like that moment for me is so delicious. And I just like, it reminds me to be alert and aware. And it reminds me to take it all in and to 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 let it just like wash over. And like, this reminds me of what it is to be like alive, you know? And I, I, I live for those kinds of moments. And then I'll live for like a stolen moment from like a balcony of like a, I don't know, like any sort of like crappy hotel that you're staying in as you transit between two cities and you're like looking over the balcony and you see like a couple walk by underneath you and perhaps they're speaking in a language you don't understand and you're just like bird's eye viewing into something, but it's like exotic. And I love all these like little moments that you can witness or experience that are just reminders that there is more to everything than what you always, what you get used to. I feel maybe you can relate to this, but when I'm traveling, it's like something opens up in me and I'm just that much more aware of my surroundings because it's like not the same. (laughs) So like I, and I know, I totally know what you mean by these moments too, but, and, and I feel like I can look at things like like longingly, like just with more of like an awareness that I don't get at home because like I'm just so used to seeing the same things like (laughs) over and over again. So like I love that you said that like in those moments are so like you said, like so delicious, you know, they're like, oh, that's why I'm alive. And there's and and too, I find like it's not that it's like something grand about them. 
Like, no. <laughs> you know, it's just like almost like everyday life, but it's like, because you're, you've been taken out of like your just normal surrounding, then it's just like, you're yeah. more aware of it. Totally. And so, but, and so that it's like, because so much of my travel is solo and like, that's the thing, like, I know you, you relate to that because you, you do these solo trips as well. Like be, you're, you're, it's kind of like when you're meditating and you withdraw your, your sense or, you know what I mean? Like you just, your, your dynamic changes. Like when you're, when you're traveling solo, your, your, your awareness levels are not the same as when you're traveling, like with a friend or with a lover or with like a group, you know, which is a whole other set of wonderfulness. Like I'm not saying one's better than the other. It's just that a lot of my travel is solo because I love the feeling of being super hyper aware of these little moments that surround you when you're on an adventure. And why don't we talk about that? Because I feel there's a lot of taboo, like things we think about, like a woman, like solo traveling. And and I have my own like experience with that. But um, just right off the bat, I feel like um, maybe some of you all like listening to this, like, are you afraid when you travel alone? Like, do you mean afraid physically or just afraid that I'll look like- weird eating dinner by myself? <laughs> that is so good. That is so good. Uh, like, why don't you answer it to both? But I mean, I feel like that's one of the first questions I get, like when I was starting to tell people I was going to India that people were like, aren't you afraid to go like by yourself, like right, getting yeah. hooked or like, you know, more like almost like a safety issue, like because you're, yeah, a woman, like you don't have protection or whatever does that mean? But I'd love for you to talk about being in yourself alone in a restaurant too. <laughs> Classic. Uh, yeah, I would say obvious fact. Obvious answer to the first one is just like, you have to be smart. You know, you have to be smart when you're traveling by yourself, like never, you know, don't put yourself in a, in a precarious situation. And of course, like that, that doesn't, that doesn't take you out of harm's way. Like, I'm not saying if you're, I'm not saying nothing ever terrible would happen, but if you're like, you have to be smart, you can't travel by yourself and be reckless. You know what I mean? Like you have to be aware, super aware of where your what your what situations you're putting yourself in like yeah. no I wouldn't say like hitchhiking through Sri Lanka by myself would be smart maybe I'll get a reputable like you know driver to take me from point a to point b kind of thing yeah. um so yeah just being being smart about that and then I would say that no the real thing is like I would well, not the real thing I mean they're both real but I've heard people say like it's tough to to travel by myself because you just don't want to go, you know, go to a restaurant by yourself. And I would say, yes, sometimes there are times where I'm like, dude, they look like they're that group over there looks like they're having a really good time. And I'm here reading like big magic by myself with my like virgin margarita. And like, it's like, okay, yes, for sure. There are moments where you're like, wow, this is the last time I'm taking a vacation by myself. But then there are other unbelievable moments where like you're sitting by yourself uh, and then there's another person sitting by themselves. And all of a sudden you've got like by the, the sixth degree of separation or whatever, you're talking to an author about of a book that lives in Nicaragua and you guys have mutual interests. And all of a sudden, like you've had the most amazing conversation of your vacation kind of thing. And that wouldn't have happened if you were not 
sitting there by yourself. So I would say it it's like there's pros and cons and they even out a hundred percent. And on the contrary, like some of the coolest encounters you have are because you're uncomfortably having dinner by yourself and something happens, you know, something happens from that. I'm so excited to introduce Estelle Thompson. Yes, that's me. Online art and yoga studio, a place to engage, explore, transform, and most importantly, play to free your unique expression of soul. With the coupon Studio 20, try one month of studio features with 20% off. Again, that's Studio 20, S-T-U-D-I-O-2-0. You're welcome. Now back to our electrifying guests and conversation. It's like freedom, like radical freedom to be like, yes, I can go with a group, but yes, I could be by myself and I, I, I'm okay to be by myself, sure. you know? Um, sure. and, and another thing I'm going to mention, like, so, and it's, I love that I'm talking to you about this because uh, when you invited me to France the first time, like it was my first like, I don't know if you remember this, but it was like my first time, like as I'm like leaving my family for like two weeks. I remember. Yeah, it was. I remember the first year you asked me, I was like, I can't do that. Like, I can't. Um, and it was, and it was funny because like the, I remember the first morning being there or like a couple of days prior, like I was like about to order something in like a cafe and I mean, this is like way more intense, I'm sure, that it needs to be. But I was like, oh, my God, I can like, like not to have to think about like others and like being like, wait, like, what do I like? Like, yeah, but it was like just me. It's like it's like a reflection of me. And I, I, I wrote about that after because it was like because I was by myself, I was like there was a constant mirror of who I was like, wait, like, what do I love? Like, do I love croissant or do I love a muffin or do I love an espresso or do I want a latte? And it was like these like small little things were like, usually it's like almost like foggy because there's so many people around or you're taking care of people or you're like, you just have to think of other people's interests. And then when you're by yourself, it's like your face with, you can integrate so much, like in terms of like the yeah. little things, but also like, like the yeah. big things, you know? Mm, totally. Totally. Yeah. Would, do you have like experiences like that? Like you, you're just like, oh my god! Like you know, it's almost like your identity is like strength, strengthened in a way. Yeah, that, but that's exactly it. Like when I was saying at the beginning, like I, I, um, you know, I really get a chance to like think about who I am and what I'm here to do, and I think uh, as like a yogi, and you, you kind of know this, and um, even the title of this podcast, She Quest, um you know, we're all on this sort of like journey, whether we're aware of that journey or not, like aware of this search or not. But as we become in, come into awareness of this search of like what our soul's sort of deepest desire is and like what we need to do to, to manifest that desire um, becomes our, our journey. And so, and that takes, that takes time. Like that takes time and that takes determination and that takes dedication and that takes like excavation of who, like all of our beliefs. And that, that's a lot of work. That's like the work of a lifetime, you know? And so 
I find that like when you're allow when you allow yourself these moments where you're you're kind of introspecting, uh, that's when a lot of the magic happens. So um, I'm I I tend to overfill my days with like I'm like uncomfortable with blank space it seems <laughs> so I'll like jam pack my days from 8 a.m till 8 p.m kind of thing but when I'm when I decide to go on like a trip or or, or or go on an adventure I leave a lot of space like I'm not somebody that like jam packs in an itinerary and it's that's when I get to do this sort of like introspective work and then when I come back and I find myself filling my schedule again, then I fill it in a way that that I hope like, well, I try at least to fill it in a way that like reflects the work that I've just done on my like introspective, introspective travel adventure situation. Does that make sense? Oh, total sense. It's like, just that chance to just realign to your dharma path, to your calling. Yes. You know? yeah, yeah, and that permission. Ah, I love it. This li- it lights me up. Like talking about travel and solo traveling, yeah. and yeah, I and whenever I see it online, like anybody like solo traveling, I'm like, yes, <laughs> this lights me up. Um, so great. So we were talking about Dharma path and, um, kind of rituals and because we, we know like you're a yoga teacher and you're a writer and I'd love to know, like, do you have like daily kind of creative rituals that you, um, you do or yeah. How does that look like for you? I do have go-to practices that I, I wouldn't, I can't say that I do them every day. Like, I wish I could say that, but, um, (laughs) I, I, that's not, that's not entirely true. There's like a variation of it every day, I would say. Uh, but I would definitely, you say journaling and and free writing is one of my major go-tos expression in general. Um, I find that, uh, if you like whatever I loved, I want somebody, I can't remember who told me, but like the, your hand is the extension of your heart chakra. And so when you write with your hand, you're like literally expressing what's coming out of your heart. So it's really important to like hand write things. Um, so I love getting like a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper and, and, and just like writing at any time during the day. Um, that always feels really connecting for me, like into my into my purpose, into my soul's purpose. Um, I personally believe that every single person on this planet is put here to create and creative expression being like the ultimate expression of the divine. And I and I think that like music, all artists that are like realized artists that have, I don't know if that's actually like an English word. It's say réalisé in French. It means like they've like, that's what their careers are or whatnot. Or they are there as like messengers to everybody that we are all here with the power to creatively express ourselves and in whatever way, shape or form that is. Because I really, I think that's what my soul would do if if that's all it could do kind of thing. So that exercise of creative writing and also dancing. Like I'm a huge fan of putting on a jam and dancing in my living room. That is an ultimate mood booster. Like it's just, it's, it's impossible to put on a good song and dance and then not feel like a hundred million times more alive. 
Agreed, hundred percent. So if the, if I don't have time to like do a full yoga practice because I you know I'm I'm running around, I'll still do like some sort of little like jot down of how I'm feeling or my thoughts or whatnot. Always do some breathing exercises. Breath is like such a huge part. Like yeah, deep 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 breathing, and um and some like movement, whether it's like dancing or stretching or whatever, those like, those will show up in every single one of my days, I can say safely. So that's a question I get often when I travel, like, do you keep up with your rituals when you travel? <laughs> like, I know my, I was like, my rituals like almost amplify when I'm traveling. Um, what about you? Does it, does, do they change? Is it the same or? Um, I'm the same as you. They almost, they amplify because I have even more time to dedicate to these beautiful like practices. So I'm, you know, I, um, I run about, I run every day. I try to run every day. Yeah. And, and so I keep that up. I, I definitely practice yoga every single day. If I'm traveling journaling a hundred percent, uh, yeah, no, I would say that they amplify for sure. And because we've talked so much about solo traveling, would you have like anybody who's listening right now and they they would really like, they just need to take the leap. And like, is there any little tips that you like, how would you start like traveling alone or how can you start that journey? You know, it doesn't, you don't have to be like, okay, I'm going to like, book a trip to uh, Costa Rica for two weeks by myself and like take this like challenge head on. Like if <laughs> it can start, like if that's, you know, like that's extreme, you can be like, okay, you know what? I would love to have two days for myself to read um, these like two books that I really want to read and maybe watch these two movies that I really want to watch and journal or watch a, like a tutorial on XYZ or whatever. I'm going to rent a little cabin um, in, you know, this sort of countryside and just like maybe start with two days of your own company. Because I think that if you can understand that, like, that can be an enjoyable process, then you're willing to maybe take a bigger leap and go on like a solo trip to that destination that you've always dreamed of going to like Bali or India or, uh, South Africa or, you know, any of these other, like more sort of far away destinations or Europe, like, or Europe. And I, yeah, if you, if you want to dip your toe in, maybe start with like a weekend of like, kind of like indulging yourself and things that you want to do sort of like a mini self retreat. And then, and then you branch out because when you're, when you're traveling by yourself, I find, especially it's like, I'm almost 40. So I say that I'm turning 38. I should maybe like calm that. (laughs) But in my mind, I'm pretty much 60. No, I'm like, so it's definitely like, it's definitely an age bracket where there are less female solo travelers because You've either, most people like are either with their young children or with, you know, or I mean, it's just not a huge demographic, but that can also be nice because if you're staying in like a spot that, um, has like, I don't know, like that's, you've checked it out on Instagram and it seems to be like for your age bracket of travelers, like there's a great looking spot in Nicaragua called Malibu Popoyo. And it's like this, um, 
super cool sort of, I think she's around 40 uh, American chick that, you know, bought this hotel in Nicaragua and she's opened it up to sort of like cool female surf and yoga travelers. And so, you know, if you go there for a, kind of a solo vacation, you're going to meet some like-minded people. You know, I met like some like-minded um, travelers in Sri Lanka and you, you run into them at a yoga class and you run into them at a couple yoga classes. And then, you know, you're having a beer at the beach or whatever and sharing life stories. And it's so cool because you realize that like everybody's just living the same version, like a version of, of life. That's like slightly different than yours, but you're like, we've all gone through the same sort of like battles kind of thing. And like, Mm -hmm. it's so cool to connect in the middle of, a foreign land um, with somebody that has such a different story than you do, but it's very similar at the same time. And so I would say that, yeah, like start with maybe dipping your toe into like an indulgent kind of like two day self retreat and then try to find a spot where like you're likely to run into other like-minded travelers. um, And then that makes it so much more fun. Mm, those are great, great tips. And um, where are you going next? <laughs> Nicaragua. I'm dying to go to this place. Yeah. Like my my best friend, Natasha, who I went to boarding school with, who's now living in Saudi, and I visited her last year in Cambodia. Her, her, um, her career is like adventure tourism. And so this place is now one of her clients but she keeps calling me because I surf and I do yoga she's like asking me for like tips on helping her client and I was like I want to go to this hotel because it sounds like it's right up my alley so I'm going to try to get to Nicaragua as soon as I can basically oh so exciting so great 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 all right, Julia. So the next questions are kind of just short answers are are you ready I'm ready Okay, I changed him a little bit, but um, introvert or extrovert? Ooh, I would have to say introvert. Nobody believes me when I say introvert. Everyone says extrovert, but I think I'm an introvert. The same with me, because like if you're a teacher of sorts, everybody thinks you're an extrovert. But I am I'm a true introvert where like I need a long time to just like recharge my batteries, you know? Totally. Yeah. Introvert. Okay. What about your favorite mantra? Is this like an actual mantra or is this like a slogan mantra? Any mantra you want to share. <laughs> the Gaia tree is my favorite mantra. And then my favorite like slogan mantra is if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Uh, I love it. And also you play that. What's it called? That instrument, the big wind thing. The harmonium. That's incredible, Julia. I know. I got really into it. I That's a bit it. heavy to bring on your travels, though. <laughs> Way too heavy. I need to get a traveling harmonium, but they're, like, not as nice. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> what about um, favorite flower? Iris. A favorite book that you've read, and perhaps we can stay with our theme of traveling. Oh, yeah. My favorite travel book ever is obviously Eat, Pray, Love. Eat, Pray, Love is such a classic. It's the best. I love it. Yeah. And what about your favorite podcast? Uh, I'm not sure if you're into, like, do you do podcasts or? I do one 
actually quite religiously, and that's the Ram Dass Here and Now podcast. Oh. I love it. What about like a favorite treat? I mean, it can be food, but it doesn't have to be like a favorite treat. Oh, definitely is going to be food. It's going to be food. And my favorite treat is definitely like a hundred percent is coffee, but it's not even a treat. Is that a treat? I can say chocolate, coffee and chocolate. The last question. It's a load of questions, but I have faith in you, Julia. I have faith in you. It was so great to have you. Um, Knowing what you know now, you know, about the transformative power of travel and soul ritual, would you wish women to know the most about its magic? I think one of the, the biggest lessons I ever learned in the, in the past three years, because I've, I've done a big, uh, I've transformed, um, there's been a big transformation in my life, let's say in the past three years. And one of the biggest things that I learned was that my way of seeing the world was not the only way. And up until a certain point, I really thought it was like, I thought I was super open-minded and super like, yeah, like, okay, cool. Like I've traveled and da, 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 da. And then when I started to really understand that, like, there are so many different points of view and that's what is so magical about um, this world that changed travel for me because then I was able to look at each travel experience as like a truly different perspective and not just see it always through my lens but try to see what I was experiencing through the lenses of of the people that were there and that lived there in these in these magical lands and so I would say like travel really works on your subconscious in terms of opening your eyes to how everything and nothing is as, as, as it seems like, it's very yogic what I'm saying, but it's also, it's like, when you understand that, like your perspective is just one of so many, then you understand that anything is really possible and everything is really possible. And like travel conditions you for that travel opens you to that and travel like enables manifestation of that very principle. And it's, it's essential for getting this overlapping vision of so many different perspectives that makes everything like so rich and interesting. Way to bring it home. (laughs) Incredible. Bam. Bam. (laughs) Oh, I cherish you so much. You're so special for me. And I just, I'm so glad everybody got a little taste of, of Julia. And um, I want to know where can we all find you and how can we support you? Definitely on, uh, on Instagram. I've been trying to figure out how to make my Instagram like sassier, but I'm, I'm still working (laughs) on that, but it's, it'll come, (laughs) but definitely on Instagram. And that's where all my, um, all my like new projects are going to be cropping up. Uh, I'm big into creation of, of businesses, but as beacons in the community, I love creating businesses that like, that pop up and like allow everybody around to sort of participate and, I feel like that's essential for communities. So I'm always working on those. And um, you can find all that stuff on my on my Instagram. And the handle is at Julia Mitten. Yes? Yeah. Thanks so much, Julia. We'll see you soon. Oh, thank you, Estelle. Big hugs. Bye.
This podcast was produced by Tosh Taylor of the Podcast Hub Productions. Find her online at podcasthub.ca.